Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. On this episode, we talk with Cindy Kim and Matt Marooney. Cindy and Matt are the co-founders and co-CEOs of Silver Mirror, a facial bar that offers unique and customized facial treatments to help customers achieve their skincare goals. Silver Mirror currently has three locations, two in New York City, one in Washington, D.C., and they're looking to grow even further in 2020. We talk about what it's like to build and expand a brick-and-mortar business without giving up any equity, why it's so important to have creative outlets apart from your main focus, how to have a successful business partnership and delegate responsibilities effectively and much more. Hope you all enjoy and here it goes. All right. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with uh, the two co-founders of Silver Mirror. Guys, I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, I know that both of you individually have a really interesting story. Give us an intro into into Silver Mirror and then we can work back uh, how you got to this point and you know, where uh, the, the future is, is going for both of you. All right. Thanks for having us, Ben. Um, so Silver Mirror is a facial bar. Um, it's a, a new concept where we only provide one service. We provide just facials. Uh, we have derivatives of facials with about um, eight to nine different variations. Uh, all of them are either 30 or 50 minutes. We have different add-ons and retail products. But the idea is that we offer one service. Um, we think that we're the best at it. And uh, we offer it for a, a pretty reasonable price, um, starting at $80 for 100 up to $135. We're at, if you were to get the same service, um, you know, at a super high-end spa that was traditionally providing facials, you would pay $250 for the same facial, and it would take 90 to 120 minutes. So we took facials out of this, like, sleepy spa environment and put them into a, um, a, a quicker environment to, uh, while well, still relaxingly get a facial uh, get something that's within a time and a budget and um, is results driven at the same time. Awesome. So that's the so, pitch. <laughs> yeah. So where did this idea actually come from, Cindy? I know you came from kind of like the the, the beauty space, and Matt, you came from a, from a different space, but in very entrepreneurial. You also had a music background. How did the two of you kind of come together and create this business? Um, so Matt and I are really good friends from business school. We met on a student trek to. India, where we spent 10 days basically traveling and eating throughout India with other Wharton students. And um, we went our separate ways after uh, Wharton. Matt was working on a startup. I was working on a beauty startup. Um, and a couple years later, I ended up uh, leaving that startup to start something new and reconnected with Matt over dinner one night. And he was telling me about this new concept he was working on um, in Miami with his high school buddy uh, dealing with laser tattoo removal. And we were talking about beauty brick and mortar um, and just started talking about what, you know, we wanted to do next in our startup lives because um, both of us were ready to start a new project. And uh, we're really interested in starting something more tangible because we were both um, either in e-commerce or tech before. And so um, long story short, we iterated this idea over many, many uh, months and years. Um, we went from one concept to another and um, I had lived in Korea before business school for a couple years where facials are, it's just what you do. Um, it's like going to the gym or getting a manicure. You go to these places, these clinics with 
you know, 30 beds in a clinic and you hop in after work and they treat your face and, and then you leave um, and you really take care of your skin. You know, that's the goal. And so we were talking through that idea together and said, okay, that concept isn't here yet. Why? It, would it work? Do people care about their skin enough to understand what a results-driven facial would be? Um, and, and that's how we kind of got Silver Mirror started. Yeah, awesome. So there's there's a few things that I want to ask, like regarding that. One being, like, what do people kind of not understand, or what are some of the biggest misconceptions about skincare, particularly like you know facial skincare that you guys at, at Silver Mirror are actually helping solve? And and for those of us who might not be familiar with facials, like how frequently should people actually be getting something like this? And and you know what are the kind of immediate benefits of of doing so? Um, so I think facials can be pretty daunting to people. The traditional way that people think about it is it's, uh, you get it at a really fancy spa once a year because maybe your parents or your friends gifted it to you so you could take care of yourself. Um, it's a long, really relaxing, nice treatment, a pampered treatment. Um, we think about facials in a very different way. We think about it purely as skin care and you have to take care of your skin. Um, just like you take care of your body and, you know, your inner health, outer health, whatever it is, um, which is why our facials are structured to be super results driven. Um, we like to say they're no frills facials. So you get in and, you know, we're really working your skin from beginning to end to produce results because, you know, everybody wants really nice, healthy, glowing, beautiful skin, including men. Um, and so, uh, that's sort of the service that, we're providing. Um, and so far, I think it's been resonating with all of our customers. Um, we have over a thousand members at, uh, across wow. our stores in New York. Um, people are understanding the need uh, to take care of your skin on a regular basis um, over the short term and the long run. Very cool. And and when you mentioned that you had a thousand members, so there's like a subscription kind of portion to this, right? Could you just elaborate a little bit more on that and, and why you chose to, you know, have a membership rather than just have people treating this like a, a business where they just like walk in, you know, whenever and get a facial? Like what about that has, you know, really helped grow the business? So we provide a membership so that we can incentivize customers to uh, make facials part of their maintenance routine. Um, so being a member with us, you know, you get 20% off your facials. You just get a lot of perks um, for coming back in on a regular basis, so once a month. And people have really bought into that idea because um, I think once they visit Silver Mirror for the first time, um, they get an experience where they're facialist is really educating them about their skin and what they need to use. And that's new for people. Um, the only other places you can really get advice about your skin are department stores, you know, your dermatologist, which most people don't go see dermatologists on a regular basis. Um, maybe, you know, an associate at a beauty store like Sephora, etc. But, you know, you don't get the opportunity to have someone really peer into your skin yeah. um, and assess what's going on and actually provide recommendations um, for the right products to use. But like I said, people really buy into that concept. And after their first time at Silver Mirror, they're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get the need for this. You know, let me try out this membership. I'm getting a lot of perks and benefits from it. So, Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Go ahead. 
No, I, just, I think just to, to add on to Cindy, I think it's about building long-term relationships. As she said, you know, people get it when they're coming in there. Um, they get the concept. And, and I think the incentive structure, if you look at a lot of different companies, like for example, a, a Sephora does a great job at what they do, right? They have this enormous selection of products, but the salesperson or sales associate you're going to see at Sephora, you're probably never going to see them again, right? So their incentive is to sell you as many products as possible. Um, and again, they do a great job of what they do, but their incentive structure is not really along aligned with the customers. Um, so for our guests, you know, our, our incentive is not to just drill them home with products, have them come in for a facial and then here buy all these products. We are in it for the long game, right? We are in it to help them go on this skincare journey and create healthy skin and, um, you know, get the right products test and, and test, you know, one product at a time to make the right regimen in. Um, and we've seen a lot of positive feedback. Uh, I think, you know, what's been surprising is, uh, for us has been men have been, have picked up on it quite a bit as well. Um, you know, a lot of men uh, did not, don't know a lot about skincare, right? And so if you give them a specific regimen, you say, look, this is what it's doing for you. We're, Cindy has done an amazing job at, at teaching our, our team, you know, to be ingredients driven, um, to understand what's in all of our products. Um, and we kind of built our company around that. So all of our, our customers, all of our employees are out are super skilled, very knowledgeable, and are able to help you build that right plan for yourself, yourself being the customer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the really interesting things about Silver Mirror. It's that, you know, you're, you're brick and mortar, but you're introducing this kind of subscription, reoccurring, really like relationship building aspect to it that you don't really get, like you're mentioning at, at many other, you know, brick and mortar uh, stores. And, you know, Talking about the business, I know that you just uh, launched a new store uh, in in DC uh, a couple months ago um, that puts you at uh, three locations total. And one of the things that was really surprising um, that I'd learned from Cindy was that you guys are you know fully bootstrapped uh, at this point. So for everyone out there who who you know might want to start some kind of you know brick and mortar like uh, a, a location uh, business and and start actually expanding uh, quickly but you know doesn't necessarily have access to you know all of this like funding what kind of advice could you give them that you know you've kind of used to uh, to build this business um, you know both in terms of like how to treat this company in a way where you're like, you know, you have to actually make money to expand. Um, and how has that like benefited uh, Silver Mirror up until this point? I think it was really important for us, uh, both both Tin, both Cindy and I before this venture had worked on, on tech startups originally uh, or immediately right before this. So obviously, you know, with tech, it's a totally different model, whereas you need a lot of equity money, a lot of, you know, a, a huge runway because you're really not going to bring in, you know, re yeah. revenue or profitability for a very long time. So yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a different business model. Whereas ours, you know, obviously um, you want to go in with some kind of runway, but your goal with a brick and mortar business or, you know, any kind of business where you're selling a service or selling a product is to hopefully become cash flow positive pretty quickly. Right. Um, so for us, Cindy and I bootstrapped the first one and we've, uh, you know, we've raised debt for the next couple. Um, but we've, I think what a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, our generation think is that I need to raise as much money as possible and then 
I'm good, right? But the problem when you raise as much money as possible, whether it's tech or whether it's you know a brick and mortar or whether it's for you know a food product or whatever, is like you have to spend that money. People are expecting a return on the money, and so it 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 leads you uh, as a business owner to make decisions that you probably would not take if you didn't have to spend that money, right? Let's say like for a, a new brick and mortar store, you would take out a lease that you typically would not take out because you have to grow. Um, so people are expecting a return on their capital. They're, they're not going to just let you sit on their money for forever. Um, so there's there's that time pressure. Um, and look, there's there's downfalls to debt as well. There's, you know, there's all kinds of issues with that. There's, it's, I think it's important for a lot of entrepreneurs to learn what kind of options that they have out there. And I think that there's not a lot of great resources. Um, you know, I think both Cindy and I were very thankful. You know, Wharton was excellent in terms of kind of giving us that kind of education and, and access to a network that we could talk to people and pick brains about. But I don't think that there's a lot of amazing, um, sources of, of this kind of information. I think there's some really good good books out there. I think the, the Founder's Dilemma, was that one, Cindy, that we read a while ago? Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think I think Founder's Dilemma was really helpful for me. Um, but there's there's really not just like a lot of – a resource that I can think of on top of my head of how to structure different capital raises. Yeah, I think it's a lot about what your priorities are. So Matt and I are – I think work as partners or have worked so far for the last four or five years is because we're aligned on our growth strategy. Um, I think we're both – interested in growing this properly um, so that we're building businesses that are sustainable in the long run and ultimately profitable, hopefully as soon as possible. And, you know, that's at the risk of not growing as quickly as some of our potential competitors. Um, but we're okay with that because I think, you know, taking our time and maybe growing, growing a little more slowly, but building a good foundation for later growth is, is, you know, in our minds, the right way to grow this company in particular. So. Yes, yeah, Cindy, yeah. Cindy's totally right in terms of profitability. That's that's another thing that our generation, you know, I think that tech is kind of uh, the the idea of, of tech fundraisers and and building tech companies has has filtered into our entrepreneurial brain. Is that you know a lot of people our generation are thinking I don't need to worry about profitability. Um, I, I need to worry about flipping it up, flipping it down the yeah. down the road, right? And I think that there's too many entrepreneurs, especially our age, that are just so focused on acquisitions and flipping their companies, where they're not really creating this this good company that somebody wants to buy, right? They're like missing, they're like missing step A, yeah. right? <laughs> like step A is find profitability, and then step B is sell your company, and they're hoping to just jump to step B. Obviously, there's a lot of steps in between, but um, but you know that was something that was really important to Cindy and I. We did not. Uh, go to a second location, even though our first location was very successful. Um, it took us what two two years after we opened up our our first one, two and a half years actually, uh, between opening up our first one and second one, because we really wanted to get to know our model. Um, when we had opened up, there was nobody else that was really doing something similar to us. So there wasn't like um you know there wasn't a model that we could go and say, okay, cool, this is how you do this company. We pretty much had to figure a lot of things out from scratch. You know, compensation systems and price and 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 how many products and, and yada so so we couldn't just go okay cool we're gonna start five from um, from day one we really wanted to get to know our business and you know that's something that we 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 try to advise a lot of young entrepreneurs is you know really understand your business before you're growing again like don't raise money unless you absolutely have to and, and then you know hit the ground yeah running. yeah so what kind of signs were or exact sign were you looking for when you were at that first location to then tell you 
now it's time to go to location number two. And, and as you're already on, on three locations, kind of seems like you're ramping up a little bit. What, like, so what, what exactly are you not necessarily waiting for, but like, do you want to see before you actually start making uh, those moves to expand? Yeah, I think, so going back to expanding, um, it goes back to figuring out knowing what you're doing, right? And so um, this first step in DC, we didn't want to open up a bunch of locations in a bunch of random cities, right? Uh, We wanted to open one location in one city that made a lot of sense to us for a lot of reasons. Um, Both Cindy and I love DC as a city, so we wanted to pick a city that we really loved, um, that we were spending a lot of time in. And then um, we wanted to do one. And okay, let's let's test something outside of New York. Let's get to know how does this work running a business that's uh, you know a four-hour train ride. Both Cindy and I live in New York, um, so it's not like DC. You know, it's not like we're living in Maryland next door. Uh, it, it takes a long time to get there. So how is it going to work with building a business? Both Cindy and I have been running everything day to day. So it was a big step for us figuring out how do we hand over responsibility? How do we delegate better? Um, and you know, obviously that's been, uh, it's difficult when you start a, a company and it's your baby, uh, for three years and then slowly you have to start, you know, giving away, uh, you know, really important decision-making, hiring, firing, um, you know, all kinds of really big changes and, you know, being able to trust people. So it was, it was a, it was an interesting process. I, I spent two months down there this summer, um, Cindy spent quite a bit of time there as we were opening up. So, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot of time to build a business that's away from home. Um, and it's not easy, but I think we learned a lot of lessons from the summer. The DC store is doing extremely well. Um, and we're going to take those lessons and we're going to take them to, you know, the next step for Silver Mirror. Awesome. And, and one of the really unique things about Silver Mirror and just, just the two of you is that you, you have both like very interesting, long kind of, you know, careers before this that, that vary greatly. And I'd love to kind of hand it over to, to both of you individually for, for a little bit to kind of like dive into your story. You know, how did, what has your kind of entrepreneurial career been like? And when you think about it, like how does that translate into what you're actually currently doing now and how you guys divide up responsibilities at Silver Mirror? Um, yeah, so after college, I did investment banking and private equity. Yeah, how was that? Um, that was that was fun. Um, it was definitely a good learning experience. Um, I didn't have a life for a couple years, as most investment bankers will tell you. But um, the skill set I acquired from there and the friends I made and um, just learning how to work uh, with people um, under high pressure environments at a fast pace was a great learning lesson just for life. Um, did that for about three to four years and felt like it wasn't for me anymore. Um, my parents are entrepreneurs, so I've always had sort of a startup spirit and I knew I wanted to either work at a startup or do my own startup at some point soon after finance. So, um, what I did was I actually, <laughs> I picked up and moved out to Korea for a couple years. Um, and while I was there, the startup scene was really just burgeoning. So I got to work at a couple e-commerce startups um, that have since gone to become very successful. But, you know, as part of these teams that were like 10 to 15 people at the time, so you get to do everything, right? I was learning how to do Facebook ads and taking out the garbage and also going on sales meetings and doing biz dev and, you know, sitting in on meetings with the CEO, but then also with, you know, other analysts. And um, that was a really great experience in setting the foundation for, Uh, going to business school after and then figuring out what I wanted to do uh, next. And um, 
in between my first and second year of business school, I went back to Korea to work at a beauty startup. And uh, that kind of opened my eyes to the uh, world of K-beauty, which has since become a huge trend and phenomenon. And um, I started my first company um, out of Wharton called Peach and Lily, uh, which was a Korean uh, K-beauty e-commerce and uh, wholesale uh company. And um, we were one of the first, you know, several companies to really bring the concept of Korean beauty to the States. Um, did that for a couple years, um, wanted to seek out new opportunities, and then ended up starting Silver Mirror with uh, Matt soon after. So that's sort of the long story short on how we got here. <laughs> yeah, and you were also on the, uh, the U.S. skate team at some point. Oh, yeah, I, think, I was yeah. on the U.S. synchronized skating team during <laughs> college. And uh, you know, this is a whole different maybe uh, discussion after Matt tells his awesome story, which is far more interesting than mine, um, just on how we've structured this company so that Matt and I um, can also pursue projects and passions outside of work. Like we're very, very big on doing things outside of work because um, it actually helps us do better work for Silver Mirror. So we can go into that later after Matt tells his very cool story. That's not investment <laughs> banking or Wall Street related. <laughs> the, hype, the hype is very high right now. It Thanks is very me. high. <laughs> Better um, to it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try and give a truncated version of, of, um, <laughs> of my story. Um, I knew since I was 10 years old that I wanted to be in the record business. Um, however, by the time I was a young adult, as we all know, the record business barely existed. Um, so when I was uh, 18, I, I went to Carnegie Mellon University, had a great first year there, but decided I knew that I needed to live in Los Angeles and work in music. I moved to LA, transferred to USC, and uh, worked in the music business for uh, every year that I was there. So eventually I started to work three days a week and went to school two days a week, so doing all my classes in two days. Um, upon graduating, I met Steve Rifkin, who had founded Loud Records in the 90s. Uh, Steve was starting a new record label at, or it just started about like a year before that, uh, started a new label at Universal called SRC. Um, so I joined them, moved to New York City in 2006, and uh, joined a label that was um, a part of Universal. So it was a joint venture in Universal's office. Uh, I think Steve owned 50% of the profit, Universal owned 50%. So it was this weird, like kind of perfect storm for a 22-year-old. And um, I joined that company. Uh, there was not a lot of structure, not a lot of... Uh, people telling you what to do. Um, Steve was off doing different things. Um, and it was a very unique environment. And I, uh, you kind of had to make your own way there and prove yourself. We got paid very, very little money. Um, and so you kind of had to build your own niche. And so I built my niche as, as kind of being that social media guy um, when social media was never really a thing in music. This is about 2006. Uh, so this is MySpace was big. Uh, and um, we had a couple really big artists that, that took off. And uh, I ended up becoming the vice president of the marketing department um, when I was 24 and did that for a couple years. And, and again, had a great experience. Um, Steve Rifkin and, and Rich Isaacson uh, were my bosses and they're, they're both legends in the industry. Um, their, their style was uh, very hands-off. Um, so it was a very entrepreneurial experience for myself, but I knew in the long term that I wanted to do something uh, as a startup. Um, like Cindy, I'm a third generation entrepreneur, um, and um, I, 
my every boss I've ever worked for can tell you I am not good at taking directions. My wife can tell you that. My parents can tell you that. Um, so it really was never an option of this is what I was going to do. It was just this. It was just always assumed this is what I was going to do was start something. It was just a matter of what it was going to be. So while I was at uh, Universal, I actually was starting a bunch of different side ventures. I started a merchandise company. Um, I started uh, a showcase for new talent that ran for about five uh, years in New York City, um, and then. I just decided I needed some kind of change to change things up in my life. Um, and I decided to uh, leave music altogether and go to business school, which business school is an excellent opportunity to a meet awesome people like Cindy and, and other friends that have really helped both Cindy and I out on this venture. Um, it was, it's, you know, I don't believe in the word really network, but it was just meeting an amazing group of friends that have really been helpful and knowledgeable and, and really just helpful over the years again, um, and creating a knowledge base. And, and while I was at Warden, I, I tried different ideas in different industries. I messed with clean tech for about my first year. I thought I wanted to go to clean technology. Then I interned at Google, um, and that wasn't really my thing, uh, going back to, um, you know, not being able to take directions very well. Um, <laughs> and um, upon uh, upon graduating, I started doing a couple of different tech startups um, for other people and then uh, did one for myself. And, and during that time, as Cindy alluded to, was the around 2000, uh, graduated in 2013, around 2014, started messing with this idea of tattoo removal and just kind of looking at different um, different businesses in the skincare space. And then Matt ended up in beauty. <laughs> From hip hop yeah. to beauty. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting transition. Um, yeah, I think my wife got me a T-shirt for, uh, I think for me and my my son. I have a son arriving next week. Uh, that oh, says wow. it's a little T-shirt that says uh, facial mogul on it. Um, I have never, I have never, or maybe it's this beauty mogul. I, I, uh, I, I've never worn it to work because um, I don't want Cindy just laughing at me. All day, so. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, you definitely have different backgrounds, but very entrepreneurial is kind of like the, the one part that like connects it. So how do you think about like dividing responsibilities and who does what at Silver Mirror? So we're both co-CEOs. Um, I think the way that Cindy and I have, we've never, I don't think we've ever had in five years of working together, four years, we've never sat down and again, you do this, you do that. Um, maybe in DC, we did this a little bit more, you know, as we're expanding, but um, there's both, there's been a lot of, you know, there's, there's holes to fill. I think what, what's nice having a partner like Cindy and myself, we're both very similar in a sense that we're, uh, I guess you would say type A, that word is overused a lot, but we're both um, extremely driven people. So if there's a, a hole or a need that needs to be filled, um, Cindy or I'd fill it. Right. So it's like, we're, we don't like, we don't wait for the other one to like do something. Um, if we see that it needs to, an email needs to be filled, signed or, you know, an email needs to be replied to or whatever we fill it. Um, as we've grown, you know, larger and larger, I handle more of the marketing and, um, and a lot of the, you know, customer service and Cindy handles a lot of, you know, the facials and she, she curates all of our, you know, our product lines, um, and our supplies and our back bars. She's moving our, you know, our, our services and our products to the next stage. Um, I'm, I work a lot with the actual, uh, nuts and bolts of, of building out the spaces, um, you know, of, of the expansion. But again, we, we both look, we're both, uh, equals and we both work together, um, you know, every day and, you know, it's a 24 seven job, especially our, our facial bars on the weekdays are open 8am to 10pm. So, 
um, for very long days uh, on the weekends, nine to seven in, in, on Saturdays and 10 to six in New York. So again, it's, it's seven days a week. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, we don't have a lot of management underneath us. We've, we've worked the last couple of years to uh, build team members up to give um, smaller leadership roles that are, that are becoming bigger roles. Um, so we're learning, we've learned over the last couple of years to do our best to delegate and, um, and we pride ourselves in giving our team a lot of uh, leeway to make their own decisions and we don't like to breathe down people's necks. Um, it's just the way that we manage because we have a lot of other things to deal with and we would like our, our employees give them a lot of leeway. Yeah. Um, I think what's really nice about the way Matt and I work together, so because we have such different backgrounds, um, we have very different skill sets, right? So I've worked with partners where we've had a lot of skill overlap and uh, Matt and I don't have that much skill overlap. Like Matt has very specialized skills in areas that I don't like marketing. Um, whereas I may have more, uh, I definitely have more of a skill set in, you know, beauty, um, ops, things like that. So naturally just our roles kind of separate into this very comfortable place where Matt takes on you know, real estate, legal, like a lot of the stuff that he's interested in and good at. And then I've taken on a lot of the stuff that I'm interested in and good at. So it worked out really nicely for yeah. us. Did you yeah. know that was the case, like coming into this partnership or was that just something that you realized, like the more you actually work together? I think that's something I've realized as we've worked more together. Uh, Matt, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that I, I knew that yeah. I didn't know that much about beauty going into it, right? And yeah. I think we, I think I had a pretty solid understanding. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think heading into it, we, we, we honestly didn't know much about the business. Again, there was really nobody doing. Um, there was one competitor that was just opening up right as we were going into construction, um, and so there was no model for this, right? So there was no place that we could just walk in and spy on them for like weeks at a time and see how somebody was doing this. Um, so Cindy and I really had to, we didn't know if this was going to work. So first of all, it was terrifying, uh, extremely, extremely scary. Um, the first, uh, the first month was really, really scary. Um, and then once like people were coming in, you, you tweak things. I think both Cindy and I always had the approach to, uh, give customers what they wanted, right? So if we always felt like, okay, cool. If our services or our pricing or our, our employees or, or whatever, any focus or any kind of idea that we had early on, we were always open to ditching it and pivoting. Um, you know, you have to have flexibility, especially when your rent in New York is insanely expensive. Um, it really is, is just crazy retail rents in New York. I mean, every, everybody knows that, but uh, it makes your runway very, very short. So, you know, in it different, I guess, uh, you know, going back to, to fundraising, um, you know, you do want to raise enough money so you have uh, some kind of runway. But, um, you know, we had enough for a good amount of time, but you, you really have no idea until things go open. Like, so you can sit there and estimate and do all of your kind of projections of what's going to happen, but you have zero idea what is going to happen, right? Like it, it, your, your range of projections of, of I think, honestly enough, I, I think that we actually hit our our best case revenue projections in the in the year and a half at the second year i remember seeing that i'm like oh my god this is what we actually predicted so <laughs> while i am crapping on yeah. my own advice um <laughs> i really think it is really difficult like we had no idea what was going to happen in our, our new flat iron location or our dc location we had no idea what month um and i and I say no idea, not because we're incompetent people, but I think that anybody who's sitting there and making up numbers um, based on projections of a company that really has existed for you know a year or at our point when we opened up had never existed before, 
you're, you're really making stuff up. So obviously you can do your best case scenario and multiply how many people come in times chairs, times that kind of stuff. But a lot of things change. You have no, we had no idea how many retail products people would buy or what kind of services they would have or what kind of employees we would like. Um, or, you know, we, we increased pay pretty, pretty quickly over the first couple of years. Um, you know, we were just always open to ideas. Like we, I think we shifted our prices up, um, within the first six months. And we did a large 20% raise to all of our estheticians in the first like three months. Um, so, you know, those were just small, small, but large changes on the bottom line that we made really quickly. What would you say has been the biggest surprise in terms of where you guys are right now as compared to, you know, what do you could have thought, uh, you know, you would have, where you, where you thought you would have been at this point when you were just starting out, has there been like, you know, one or two things that really are sticking out right now being like, wow, would have never thought that, you know, we're here, you know, just a couple years ago. I don't think I would have, um, expected people in not newer markets like DC or, or just people to take on to the idea as quickly as they have. I think the last couple of years of where, since we've opened up, uh, it's going to be four years in May. Um, the idea of what I love about this market and what I love about facials and as I've gotten to know skincare, obviously a lot, lot more than I did five, six, seven years ago, um, is that this market is enormous, right? Like if you talk to a hundred people on a street, 99% of them have, do not get facials on a regular basis. So this market is enormous. Um, and I'm surprised how quickly people have taken onto the idea of, oh, they're getting it. Like people get it really quickly. Oh, wow. Yes, facials are super helpful. And if I, they can be done on my schedule and uh, within my, my limited budget, um, they can be enormously beneficial for my skin. I think uh, Cindy can speak to this better than I can, but I think our culture has gone away less from being makeup focused to dealing with the health of your skin. Um, and obviously that's been going on for a number of years. This has not happened in like the last three or four years, but I think our concept has been um, enormously beneficial to uh, lead people into the, the right direction. Another thing that, that really stuck out with me, and this was from talking with Cindy uh, last week, was that, like she had mentioned uh, earlier, you guys like to focus on projects outside of Silver Mirror. Obviously, this is your business, like this is number one, but there's a lot of other stuff that, that happens on the side that, that you really care about and, and want to focus on. And one of them is a, uh, a TV show. Uh, so I, um, when I heard about that, I was like, oh, wow would have never guessed that's like a side project that you guys have together. Um, but could you talk a little bit more about that and you know, what, what inspired it? Like, like, you know, how, how did all of that come about? Yeah. So as if Matt and I don't spend enough time together <laughs> working on silver mirror, um, we're both really interested in media entertainment in general. Um, Matt, you know, does classes at Upright Citizens Brigade, you know, he writes TV and movie scripts um, on the side, like that's his creative outlet. Um, I always have been interested in entertainment and media and have a lot of connects in Korea in that, uh, on that front. And Matt also obviously from his work in the music, uh, sorry, music business um, has contacts here. So, you know, we were talking about, uh, we love TV, we love TV and movies, you know, and we were thinking, is there an opportunity here for Matt and I to work together on something interesting and definitely outside of my realm, <laughs> my normal realm. But um, we came to this idea of producing a Korean hip hop show and we've been working on that for a little bit. Um, it tends to go on the back burner very quickly when we're ramping up a new store. 
Um, so we're working on it right before DC and it has since uh, been on the back burner, but I think we're going to try to bring it back shortly. Right, Matt? Yeah. Now that yeah, you're also going to become I mean, a dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think for us, uh, yeah, uh, both as Cindy said, it's really important for us to work on projects outside of here, um, outside of Silver Mirror, that is. And um, in terms of this specific idea and this venture, it just made sense from a number of different levels. I mean, uh, my hip hop background and Cindy's Korea connections, uh, why not put the two together? And hip hop is enormous in Korea. Mm -hmm. um, so we've put some really interesting people. I don't want to give too much away about mm -hmm. the premise and, and who's on board, but um, some really awesome people are getting involved. Uh, there's a lot of excitement um, on bo both continents. Um, so it's going to be really something that's really fun to, to bridge the gaps. And um, again, like this and like what we're trying to do with Silver Mirror, we're trying to put really incredible people uh, in, in places of decision making and not micromanage this thing otherwise uh we're we'll we'll, do, we'll lose our minds um and and again we have to keep our, our our eye on the ball for silver mirror is our priority we don't want to get that like mixed up yeah. um but we we have to we have to stay interested and, and keep your brains fresh in, in other endeavors and i think it's really important for people to do things you know it doesn't have to be like a and i don't talk about a hobby or, or whatever, I think it's important to get involved in, in something outside of your day-to-day your -day business and, and your family. Um, so it could be a community organization or a nonprofit or, you know, um, some kind of artistic venture or whatever. It, it really helps both of us to put your brain into use and into, um, into action to something that really needs it outside of silver mirror. And it comes back and you, to you get a totally different perspective and it's, it's almost like a, a refresh, right? Um, Cindy and I don't really have real weekends like, like normal people, you know, we're both pretty much on call seven days a week and for a very long time. So that kind of, that messes with your brain where a lot of people, obviously you're working five days a week, 40 hours, you know, 40 hours or 60 or however many hours, um, you kind of have that like set five day a week and you're able to use your weekends to recharge your body and your brain we don't have that luxury so um so our our relaxation is working on other things um, <laughs> Cindy is a very uh talented um ice skating coach her teams are uh very successful on an, a national and international level um so that keeps her plenty busy outside of this mm -hmm. um and then she mentioned I'm working on some other projects as well, which it's, again, it's, it's really important to us. Again, I'm having a son in a week, so I know. all of my advice may be total <laughs> yeah. BS and I may be completely uh, never doing anything again. Um, but yeah, I think it's really fun to be able to do things and to be able to, to achieve projects. I think both Cindy and I, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs, we, um, you know, we're driven by projects and by creating and completing something right and um and for cindy it's it's creating these amazing um these ice skating routines and competing on on a national and international level and, and for me it's it's uh you know doing some artistic ventures that people are viewing both when i'm on stage and and behind the scenes it's it's interesting and it's fun for me and again it's something totally different than silver mirror for us um that that is important to us yeah, no, I think I think that's amazing. And like one of the biggest, in my opinion, like differentiators between people who are super successful and at the same time are like very comfortable with where they are and like, you know, not not just like professionally, but also personally is the fact that they're able to, you know, do all of this other stuff outside of their main work, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee doesn't really matter. Like you can't 
I, I'm like a big believer that you can't have like one thing just be your entire life. Um, and obviously you guys are as well because, you know, everyone has different interests and different passions and like so many things that they want to focus on. And one of the issues for a lot of people now is like figuring out which things those want to be. And, and just looking at, you know, your situation, like, you know, there aren't many people who have room to to do stuff because you're obviously working at silver mirror uh all the time and you have all these other side projects so it goes to show like and and, and mad you're you're having a kid in a week so i mean we'll check up on you to see if like you're still doing all of that but um it's all right if you aren't at that point but I, I guess like you know if you're able to figure it out and and make time then like you know almost everyone else should be able to do the same and it is you know one of those things that's that's really interesting and um you know i'm sure all the stuff that you do on the side is is not directly helping silver mirror but just making you like better Mm -hmm. you know in terms of decision making and people and just happier and um all that translates to you know the the business that, that you're working on so that's just awesome to see and and matt i'm also just curious like in terms of the improv stuff that you do you know, I, I think improv is, is one of those things that is really kind of important and helps people in a lot of ways. Like, what would you say has been the biggest benefit that you've gotten from from doing that and, and doing it at a high level? Yeah. So I, I actually talked to my team about this after I did a TV interview a couple of weeks ago in D.C. I was laughing because um, obviously with improv, you can't look any stupider on stage, right? <laughs> like you're literally creating a 30 minute story um, out of nothing. And I've been working with the same team for over a year now, and I've been studying it, I think, for about three years. And I, I started like eight or nine years ago, but but really picked it up at UCB again um, three years ago. But um, you're never going to look dumber than you are on a stage at, at UCB, right? And it really helps yeah. you to obviously to think quickly, to be creative, to work with other people, and to listen. Um, you know, that's something that's so important. Um, not not shutting down other people's ideas. You know, improv. I think improv gets a lot of flack of people out to make fun of it. Um, you know, because it, it can be corny when you look at it from the outside. Um, but from when what you're doing. Uh, when you're when you're when you're actually doing it and bringing it into a business setting, I think it does help you to obviously you're everybody's equal on a stage. Everybody's listening to other people's ideas, um, and again, like you're you're really keeping your brain extremely sharp and your ability to talk publicly um, and speak publicly. Mine personally has helped. I'm not really afraid on a stage anymore. I mean, I've, our last couple of shows have sold out at a small theater uh, in New York, which is not big, you know, a hundred something people. Um, but like, that's a pretty big, pretty big crowd to, uh, at least for me, obviously other people bigger, higher up at UCB, it's not that, not, not that scary, but uh, yeah, being stupid in front of a hundred people is super easy or is, is super difficult compared to anything else that you're going to run into um, where you can prepare speech and, and know what you're talking about. Like for Cindy and I, for Silver Mirror, um, we've been working on this project for five years now, right? We can talk about it extremely easily. It's, it comes off the top of our head. Um, so it's kind of, it's all just putting it in comparison. And I think going back to what Cindy was talking about as well, I think another aspect of doing a having ventures and projects outside of work is to um, is to prevent burnout. I think a lot of people burn out or try to push that with our team members as well to 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 have activities and do other things on the side and make sure that you know that people are sticking to a 40 hour structured work week where it's not all over the place where their where their schedules aren't working. I, I taught you know I had being in in um, 
you know, working in some entertainment, I have a lot of friends that are waiters and working in the service business and retail. And it's crazy to hear that people in retail and restaurants have never have set schedules and their schedules are all over the place. Um, so we've really pushed very hard on our teams not to move around schedules and to, um, you know, have a set schedule and being able to be flexible and, and really allow team members to do and have lives outside of silver mirror like we, we really try to respect that and um you know i think it helps we we overpay um our estheticians far above market value um because we're a trying to hire the best estheticians and b we want to retain those people so we take a lot of pride in hiring the best estheticians not only in new york and d and dc because we pay so well and we try to offer a, a high quality work so uh, apart from the uh tv show that you guys are doing together have you ever like uh uh, Matt, have you ever had like Cindy kind of try improv and, and Cindy has, has Matt ever like done the, uh, the ice skating stuff with you or, or is it like you just kind of only focus on the stuff where there's already the, the mutual I, I interest? I think Matt and I need to do some activities apart once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, yeah. Didn't we, um, have we ever gone skating together? No, no, I don't think so. We do sometimes yeah. try to catch uh, Marvel movies together. That's our like yeah. co-founder outing nice. usually. Because <laughs> um, we're both really into Marvel movies, but yeah, it's- yeah. Now we'll get we we'll try and get make sure we get lunches and dinners and stuff together. But you have to remember, Ben, for the first two years of our existence, two and a half years of our existence, Cindy and I literally worked out of a uh, the small back room in our Upper East Side location, which is. <laughs> I don't know, smaller than nine, what is it, nine by nine maybe? It's, it, it's, I think it's, I'm, I'm oh, pretty wow. sure it's smaller than a room on Rikers. Like, <laughs> and it's, and it's windowless and there's no air conditioning back there. So we had to have air, we had to have a fan in the summer and uh, a heater in the winter because it's so cold. There's no heating back there. So we spent two and a half years together. We did not murder each other in two and a half years. So that was a pretty good sign. So for the last you know year, since we opened up Flatiron, we're in a lot of different places. I was in DC this whole summer. Um, so yeah, well, I think for the first two and a half years, uh, we spend as much time as, as two human beings could spend with each yeah. other yeah. Uh, that are not married and uh, <laughs> and do not want to kill each other at the end of it. But I think it also works out, you know, that we have very complementary skills. I'm a night person. Cindy's a morning person. So when you have a business that's 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., it's perfect, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you said there that was really interesting was that, you know, for the first two, two and a half years, you worked in this tiny little room. Um, I think that, you know, that just kind of goes to show the way that you have viewed, you know, this entire journey because you both have had success in, in previous, uh, in your previous ventures and, and previously in your career. And I'm sure if you wanted to, you could have, you know, got some, something bigger, um, than that to, to launch this. But yeah. like, I, I guess the, the, the frugality and, and the mindset of like, you know, we're not going to, you know, get this nice office when we don't even really have like this business yet is, is really interesting. And is that how you thought about it from day one or, or <laughs> am I just like getting that wrong and just making stuff no, up? No, I mean, our first store, Matt and I self-funded. So, you know, our entire bank accounts are in that f- first store. And I think if, you know, you are lucky enough to do something like that and really bootstrap it, it puts you in a position where you really need to think about profitability and you know saving money where you can and doing things as efficiently as possible. Um, and, and that often gets lost when you raise money. And so, um, yeah, so Matt and I, when we first started like that, that was the goal. How do we get to be cash flow positive as quickly as possible? How do we get to profitability? And that's putting out a good product, but understanding where to, where to cut, where to save. 
Um, and if that means we can't have a fancy office, that means we cannot have a fancy office. We work where we can work and we make it work, you know, so, yeah. I think, Ben, I think we were also very, I don't know if we planned this, but very lucky and fortunate. I think to start a business in your late 20s and early 30s mm -hmm. is a really good time. Um, you have work experience. You're able to build up um, capital and savings from your early 20s of, of working, right? Um, and then at the same time, we didn't have families. So we were able to work crazy hours. Um, my, who was my, became, during this transition, my girlfriend became my fiance, became my wife, worked crazy hours herself. Um, so that was totally it was totally great for us to have this, this these lack of commitments where at the same time i think we both came in with a really good set of knowledge obviously we were able to go you know we're, we're very both very fortunate to to go to wharton and get the knowledge base and, and network that we um that we acquired there um but you know you couldn't do that if you're 22 or, or, or 23 and again not to like dissuade young entrepreneurs but for us it was a very good a very great knowledge pool and and a capital pool to work from as well because we had savings from working the previous you know eight nine years um that both of us had saved up and and tried to be smart about um i think also that time in our lives is very important yeah i think that's a great point because so many times you know young people kind of you know myself included like everyone re really wants to start a company and and one of the things I've, I've learned and realized is like you don't have to rush into starting a business because that's it's pretty serious um you know you can start like you know some hobbies and like some stuff on the side and kind of see where it goes but there's no rush if you're like you know, in your teens or early twenties, it's really good just, you know, to like you're saying, have that capital, be able to have something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. You know, if your business isn't going well and you have like zero dollars or, or, you know, for a lot of young people, ne like negative money because of uh, things like student loans and all that, it's very difficult to then, you know, make rational decisions mm -hmm. because you just, you're just like afraid. So, so not having that fear, um, or not, not necessarily not having that fear, but like having a more, um, cautious kind of, you know, uh, path to, to starting a business is, is something that, you know, I've, I've kind of realized more recently and think that's definitely, um, the way to go when, when you actually do, uh, start, uh, start a business. So you guys are four or five years into this, uh, company right now. Things are looking like this is where, you know, a lot of the taking off is going to be happening. I don't want to, you know, say like hockey stick growth or <laughs> anything like that, but it looks like, you know, the foundation is there and, what you're working on next is really just ex like land and expand. So where do you see Silver Mirror being in the next few years? And when you think about that, like how, how does that feel, you know, where you actually start seeing things maybe for not the first time, but, you know, something that wasn't frequently uh, viewed before is like you guys have a clear roadmap. Like how does that feel now that, that you actually know that everything's in place and pretty much getting it to where you want it to be just requires just execution and and doubling down on what already is working i think ben i think i think yeah it, it definitely feels good and it's nice to know where we're going um but and and it, great it, of course we've had amazing success but i think both cindy and i um are paranoid to the point especially when this is our money and our our savings that are in this um we're extremely paranoid that we don't take anything for granted success to this point and our expansion uh, our company still has a lot of tests we've never been through a recession so that's something that's really important to keep in mind right um we haven't had an enormous we haven't had a large recession in the last 11 years um so we don't we've never been through a recession as our company so that that kind of test um but it does feel nice we have a roadmap uh both cindy and i have been looking for 
have been planning our expansion for a number of years of X, this neighborhood and this city. So we know very comfortably what we're going to be doing for the next five years. Um, we just want to, again, we want to make sure we're doing this. We don't want to be expanding just for the sake of expanding. We're, we're going to try and do things slow and steady. We're going to try and stick with debt as we can, as long as we can. Um, and, you know, make sure that we're doing things the right way and, and focusing on profitability and not just focusing on growth for the sake of growing. Um, Cause we're seeing that happening in this industry and it's entertaining for us to watch because uh, we know that quality can be lost very quickly, especially in a service-based business. Like we, our entire business is predicated on estheticians and their relationships with clients. And obviously there's other components, but that's the heart of it. And um, if we get lost and, and focus too much on expansion and not enough on our customers, um, bad things can happen, right? Your, your brand and your reputation and your, and your services overall. And then at the end of the day, your revenue is going to suffer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, just kind of, you know, as we're, as we're uh, wrapping this up, I'd love to uh, turn it over to both of you for any kind of like final thoughts or advice in terms of something super cool about your partnership is that you guys have like amazing chemistry. You're, I don't, you know, I don't know if you're like best friends, but you guys are like super close where it goes to the point where it's like, you know, you guys are not, you know, you're doing a bunch of stuff together. You have like a, this really great relationship. Um, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs out there who are looking for a co-founder or um, might have just started a business together and are like trying to figure out how to work together, how to essentially do something where, you know, a few years down the line, they don't have like this horrible kind of breakup that can destroy the business or create so many problems. What advice would you have for, for people who are, you know, both looking to, to find a, a partner in a venture and also just managing, um, their relationship to, to make sure that it's something that actually lasts and is fruitful. Um, so I've been in partnerships that have not worked in the past. And, you know, I think if you listen to partnerships that have worked among entrepreneurs and startups, they're all going to say the same thing. And I completely 100% agree with them. Um, I think the reason that Matt and I work is because we share the same values, honestly, at the end of the day and goals, um, you know, integrity, trust. I trust Matt implicitly with anything. I, I know that he's going to make decisions and do everything in the best interest of the company. Um, we are both relatively egoless. You know, we're not trying to be the star of the show. Our focus and ego is in making this company successful and not, you know, our own stardom or whatever. And I think that's where a lot of partnerships go wrong. So, um, you know, just to, everyone says the same thing, but integrity, trust, you know, humility, your work ethic needs to be aligned. Um, you both have to be resilient, persistent. You have to, and you have to be open to change. I mean, we're, we're all flawed to some extent, you know, like I'm sure I'm very annoying in situations. Matt is annoying in situations, but at the end of the day, you know, we both know what we want from this company and, and how we want to get there. So we're willing to change and admit our mistakes and talk to each other about them. And, you know, I think that trust is so important. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I think um, I think obviously having a friendship before this helped. Right. So we we both knew quite a bit about each other. And and really the partnership happened because uh, you know, not necessarily skincare or whatever, but Cindy was telling me, Cindy and I over, you know, over a dinner, she was talking about the things that she was looking for in her next steps in her life. And it looked like what I was looking for in a partner, right? She was looking for flexibility in her life. Um, and you know, 
we're just looking for the same things, right? So that was very helpful. And I think uh, the book that I was referencing earlier uh, is was The Founder's Dilemma, and it's an amazing book, but I think the probability of success for um, like it, that one of the main things that drives home is that you have to figure out the CEO, COO, and you know CFO, and all those different relationships early on. And like Cindy and I, totally from day one, I think we had one conversation. Where we were like, "Hey, we both want to be CEO. Why don't we do co-CEOs?" And it worked. Like, I don't know any other business. Like, so it, clearly we went against you know not only this book <laughs> statistics, but um, I can only think. I think Whole Foods had co-CEOs for a little bit. Um, but um, my point being that that. It's not for everybody, our structure, um, but we found something that worked for both of us, right? We found um, we found a leadership uh, balance and uh, a, a split of, of uh, responsibilities that worked for us. And then I think Cindy was dead on in terms of values. You know, going back to our first couple of years, we worked very long hours, very unpredictable hours. A lot. We both of us were filling in as receptionists more often than we would have liked to. And I think. It goes back to both Cindy. I knew that Cindy would take the slack if she was there and needed to, and I would do the same thing, right? If if somebody's calling out at 6:30 a.m. Um, or there's a leak at you know 10 p.m. Um, at one of our stores, we know that the other one was going to do the right thing. Um, so both Cindy and I have you know not only um, you know prided ourselves in in having time you know in other ventures, but we also have spent a lot of time with family and friends. It's very important to us, um, and we also spend a good deal of time traveling and you know seeing the world and doing other things. So um, you know, look, it, it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time and a lot of money to to get to you know to where we're trying to and where founders are trying to. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it goes back to uh, communicating very clearly early on what your expectations are for the company um, and what your expectations are from your from your partner. And I think getting to know them beforehand can be, can be helpful, you know, obviously going from friends, um, but it can obviously go the other way. But yeah. at, at least in our, in, our, in our circumstance, us knowing each other for, I think, three or four years before we actually became partners um, was very helpful. Awesome. There you guys have it, the, the keys to success when, uh, when partnering uh, on a business. You know, just know what you're getting into, know the other person, uh, be willing to, you know, put in as much as you expect the other person to put in. I feel like the partnerships that always go wrong are where one person wants to just like kind of do all the, uh, the, the fun stuff or, or like the high level stuff. And like, is like to the other person, no, you take care of everything else. Like, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, obviously you kind of have to share, like if they love doing that, that's fine, but you have to share like the interesting and the exciting parts. Otherwise that's, that's just never going to be something that, that works out. And, and for, and also you have to share the hard stuff, you know, because, um, if, if, you know, Cindy was the only one doing all of that, like, obviously, you know, eventually she'd be like, Hey, like, this isn't working for right. me. And, and, you know, just the way that you divide it, like totally makes sense. And I, and I think that's, that's really awesome. Um, and yeah, thank you guys again, you know, both of you, Cindy and Matt so much for, uh, for coming on here to, to share your story. I think it's, it's one of the more unique ones that we've ever heard and, uh, myself and I'm sure the entire audience is going to be really excited, uh, about watching silver mirror and just, you know, both of you guys kind of, you know, with the TV show and everything <laughs> grow and, and, and come out in the, in the next few years, um, for everyone out there who's, uh, in New York city, you guys have two locations. You have one in Flatiron, one in, um, in the upper East side. Um, if you, you know, do facials. If you want to start doing facials, feel free to drop in. If you're in DC, they just opened a location there as well. Uh, we'll link to everything in the, uh, in the show notes, but, but yeah, you know, thank you guys, uh, again for doing this. It was, uh, awesome speaking with you.
Thanks so much, Ben. Appreciate your time, Ben. You're awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast. Leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes goes such a long way. If you found something particularly valuable or interesting, definitely share it with your friends. We'd love to hear your feedback as well, so follow us and reach out on social media. We do the show every week, so stay tuned for more episodes. And Until next time. 